Welcome to the Successful Life Podcast, your go-to source for insights and strategies in the HVAC, plumbing, and roofing industries. I'm Corey Barrier, here to guide you through transformative approaches to business and mindset. Each episode will explore unique methods, focusing on identifying and addressing the core challenges in your field. Our goal is to equip you and your team with practical solutions that foster growth and success. So whether you're tuning in for the first time or you're a longtime listener, get ready to dive into a wealth of knowledge and expertise. Let's begin our journey to success together. This is the successful life. It's Corey Barrier. Yeah, come learn with me. Take you down the path of our journeys. This is the successful life. It's time to take what you learn. Apply it to your life. It's your turn. To live a successful life. You are tuning in to the Successful Life Podcast. Three, two. Thank you for listening to the Successful Life Podcast. We have no dues or fees, so please refer to this podcast to a friend. Make sure you rate, review, and hit the subscribe button. Thanks for listening. Welcome to the Successful Life Podcast. I am your host, Corey Barrier, and I'm here with Jessica McLaren. Hey, Jessica, how are you? Great, Corey. How are you? Good. I'm glad, so glad to have you on. It took us a little bit to connect, but here we are. I know. I'm excited. I know. So um, I was talking to Jessica just a moment ago, and we were talking about modeling, role modeling, like parents role modeling for their children. And, and she had done a post today, and I noticed that it was basically what I just said. And 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 she she's going to dive in a little bit deeper as far as why that's so important as a parent to be a good role model for your kid. So, uh, Jessica, I'll let you go ahead. Okay. So, where do you want me to start? So, the so I, post the post I shared today um, was: if you want to raise a great kid you've got to be a great example. And I suppose that's the philosophy behind everything that I do at the moment. Good, good. And so um, what, I guess, walk us through who Jessica is and how she got to be the person she is today. Gosh, I, where do I start? So my life's been a little bit crazy. And isn't it funny that you don't realize that your life's crazy until somebody asks you to walk them through it? <laughs> so I've been doing loads of that over the last few years. Um, I started in Australia. Um, I was adopted. And when I was about six years old, my adoptive parents brought me to Scotland. And life was pretty straightforward um, until I was a teenager. And then that's when the rebellion began. So at 15 years old, I ran away from home. I had an older boyfriend. I always had a really good work ethic and I always stayed at school. Um, and so I was able to survive. Like I was ferociously confident and I've, and I've always been that way. Then I went to university, resolved things with my parents and life kind of went in the expected phase. You know, you get married, you have kids. But when I had, when I, so when I was 23, before I was married, I fostered my son. And that was an accidental situation. And it later turned into an adoption. And he's now 17 years old. 
So we've kind of gone through this whole cycle. He was four years old when we adopted him. Um, but that whole situation changed my life completely on many levels. I experienced a young person who'd been through extreme trauma. I experienced what came along with that. So we've been through, gosh, everything. You know, the house has been smashed up. The, you know, there's been lots of police involvement and all of these different things. And I suppose to survive through that, I had to reparent myself because it's not until you deal with someone else's trauma that you begin to think about how you've been parented in the past. So that was really interesting. So let me hold, let me get you to hold on one second. So let, let, okay. So when you say that the house was smashed up, what do you mean by that? So like young people who experience trauma from a really young age have different outlets for their trauma. And so um, they find it really difficult to regulate their emotions and control the subconscious mind. And so one really common way for that to manifest is through anger. And when the anger is so extreme, um, it goes right to the, you know, the, the, the precipice, the top of the mountain. And it is only when you get to the top of the mountain that that anger can start to dissipate and young people can come back down. And so to get to the top of the mountain, you have to like impact everyone and everything around you. And that was one of the ways that it manifested in my son. Now, have you, <coughs> excuse me, you said you were ad adopted. So did you ever go through that phase or was that the phase at 15 years old? Well, and this is what I've reflected on a lot because as far as I was concerned, it didn't impact me, the fact that I was adopted. Now it was different because I was adopted from birth and I didn't experience trauma before I was adopted. I didn't go through foster placements and all of these different things. However, it's very possible that that was my way of dealing with it. You know, the fight or flight and I took flight and I was fiercely independent because I needed to take that control back, maybe. And that's been a huge reflection for me over the last few years, for sure. So, but, okay, so when you were adopted at four, right, you said? No, my son, we adopted oh. him when he was four, yeah. You were six. I was zero and then I was at birth. And then when I was six, I came to Scotland. Oh, that's what it was. I got that. Yeah. Part up. Right, right, right. Okay. So, um, so when you say trauma with your son, you don't mean, do you mean physical trauma or do you just mean the fact that he was moved around a lot? So his parents were drug <laughs> addicts and heroin users. And okay. so we don't know a lot of what went on. Um, in the past but then between the age of zero and four he had like eight different foster placements wow. and then he was removed from his younger sister also which was huge and I think what made him coming one thing that made him coming to me was that at that time I didn't have any children and so my energy was completely focused around him and we were really we had, you know, freedom to build a really positive relationship. And also, Corey, I wasn't tired. You know, parents, and this is something we'll probably come on to, but they're tired. You know, they work full time. They've got all these other things going on. They're getting old and they're just tired and they don't have the energy that I probably had at 23 years old to dedicate, you know, every ounce of their being to 
to a young person. So how old were the people that he was with prior to you? Uh, the, the last people prior to me were in their forties. Okay. That's interesting that you, that you relate it to energy that, that the people that I think that's so interesting. I can only fathom, um, <coughs> your son's situation, him being, you know, eight different families. God, I can't even imagine. And then being ripped away from your sister, how, I'm not so sure how that makes sense. I mean, what happens for for that for 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 the sister and the brother to be separated? I mean, is it is it just the system, or how how does that work? I mean, it, it is systematic, but it, it comes from behaviors, and I think both of their behaviors were so extreme that together they kind of bounced off each other, and that meant that both of their behaviors were just far too difficult for one family to deal with, you know. And at the time, and I have so many different beliefs about it, whether it was right, whether it was wrong, but he's turned out to be such a good boy now that I can only think that maybe it was the right decision, you know? So if he hadn't had that universal alignment with me, then he might not be the boy that he is today. So we're both really lucky. We've learned a lot from each other. That's amazing. So, um, okay, so um, I'm not sure where we left off actually. Okay, so I'll tell you what came next because the the story is a bit crazy. So we had all of that to deal with and then I had my biological daughter. She's 11 years old now. Um, and so life was that, like I said, that kind of expected phase, the married and kids phase. But because of all this, you know, stuff that was going on to deal with, the, you know, to do with the trauma, it triggered a kind of trauma in my husband at the time. And that led to a spiral of really challenging behavior I don't want to say too much because I don't want to bring it up for for him um and so we separated um and and that in itself you know was a huge thing and I felt at that point you know I took on my son to provide this safe cocoon you know a family a, a textbook family and was I keeping him safe by exposing him to the difficulties within the marriage? And that was when the pattern, you know, that was the pattern interrupt for my life. And that is when things really, really changed, which led me to where I am now. Okay. So when you say that that it, it changed, what do you mean by that? Meaning that you all separated, you and your, uh, I guess now ex, yeah, and then <coughs> you said that that was their the pattern interrupted, and then there was a change. What do you mean by the change? So I was I find myself as a single parent with you know two two young children, one who was going through the difficult teenage years, and one who was just finding herself in the world. She was six years old at the time, and I didn't have any childcare. My mum had died a few years earlier. I didn't, you know, I've got lots of friends, but I was a closed book and wouldn't be open with people about my emotions and things like that. However, I'd always been really into self-development and read, you know, hundreds of pages of, of books. And I knew that I had to channel what was going on inside me into something in order to be able to survive. 
And so I googled um, Tony Robbins, who was my favourite at the time, and I just, you know, googled, is he coming to the UK? And lo and behold, he was coming to the UK about six months later. Then I looked at the ticket price and I was like that, oh my goodness, how can I possibly afford this bloody ticket as a single parent? But I told everyone I was going. I was, you know, I booked my flights, I used booking.com, I got a hotel that I didn't need to pay until I got there. And I just had this unwavering belief that I would make it. Um, and being a high school teacher, education, they don't have any money to support professional or personal development and one day I just thought you know I could probably sell this idea to my boss and maybe he'll give me time off work to go just time that's all that I wanted and I managed to sell the idea to him so well that maybe a week later he came back and he said do you know what Jess I'm going to buy your ticket I'm going to send you on that course and you can go you know it was crazy absolutely crazy so I went to this Tony Robbins event. I had no clue what to expect. I didn't know it was going to be a full-on rave house party that we'd be massaging each other's shoulders and going wild and Pitbull would turn up and, and all this stuff. And then I don't know, how, you'll be familiar with Tony Robbins, but he does like the limiting beliefs. And you go through this process of working out what your limiting beliefs are. And my limiting belief, and I still, like, I still find this really difficult to say out loud, but my limiting belief was that having kids holds me back. Mm. And that is a horrible statement for a mother to make, horrible statement, but that's how I felt at the time, because I couldn't, I was restricted, I couldn't go anywhere, I couldn't emigrate, I couldn't go on holiday, I couldn't even, like, have a weekend with my friends, you know, because I was just mum mode all the time. And then Tony Robbins did his magic and we changed that into an empowering belief. And so my limiting belief turned into the empowering belief that I have to model to my children that I can do anything, that if I have unwavering belief and I have a toolkit that even if I fail, I've tried and I've got the strength to, you know, come back from it. And then that's where my, you know, everything changed for me. And I amalgamated what I do in education with what I've experienced as a mum and being a single parent. And then I've created my programmes. So I'll tell you what's so similarly interesting. Uh, what year did you go see Tony? I went to see Tony in 2016. Okay. So I, on, on October 1st, I'll tell you the story really quick. On October 1st of 2018, mm -hmm. way back up, in July, I started journaling because my wife said to me, here, here's a journal, and it says, okay, fine, I'm grateful. And, and so what ba it's basically saying is, hey, asshole, you need to write in here and talk about what you're grateful for because you're clearly not grateful for anything. Yeah. And, 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 and it was so true. So in that book, I wrote the same thing as you as, okay. as I'm going to see Tony in November. I had absolutely no idea how, um, but that's not true. I, at the time I didn't know how, um, 
and what happened was I was supposed to get paid on October 1st and I had worked it out that I, that's the day I was going to buy my ticket. Well, I owned a, a medical a medical spa and my partner came into my office on October 1st and said, I'm not going to pay you anymore. And so it was a devastating day for two reasons. One, my partner has turned his back on me. And then two, I couldn't buy my ticket to go see Tony. Yeah. And I was devastated. And so I am, I want to say October 3rd or 4th, somewhere in that vicinity, uh, I was in the bathroom because I stayed on at the, at the, the medical spot until uh-huh. the 15th. I was going to ride it out to see if he was going to pull his head out of his ass and pay me. Yeah. <clears throat> and October 4th or 5th, I can't remember what day it was. My wife called and she said, what are you doing? And I said, I'm in the bathroom washing my hands. She said, I need you to go sit, sit I need you to go sit in front of your computer. And I was, needless to say, I was probably not in a super grateful mood because of everything that was going on. And I just said, you know, why do you, why? And and she said, I just need you to go sit. And she said, I need you to open your email. And I opened my email. And when I did, it was a message from uh, two, two emails, one from her and one from somebody at Tony's facility or whatever, uh, Robin's research. And she had negotiated with them and bought the ticket for me. And so I, you know, it almost chokes me up telling the story. I've told it so many times now that I, fortunately I can get through it, but I'm telling you, I bawled my eyes out that day because it was so, it was probably the nicest thing anybody's ever done for me. She got so, your back. For sure. Yeah. And and so it's, it, I just think it's interesting how we both got to Tony and then got there, like you, had no earthly idea <laughs> what was going to take place. And then all this shit happens. I know. And it's like, and you're up for like, you know, 16 <laughs> hours. I know. So it, but it started this whole thing for me. So what was your limiting belief? You know, I had several, actually. Mm-hmm. And I had worked on a lot of them before I went because I would get up in the morning and listen to Tony for at least two to three hours. That's no joke. Yeah. Like, I would listen to probably every piece of his content that he had. Yeah. But I would say, um, I know, so the Dickens process was part of, part of going through that. Um, for me, it was more... Along the lines of, I don't, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't graduate college. Sorry, I've been sick. So just hang tight. <laughs> um, part of it was I didn't complete college. The second part was, um, is that I, 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 I felt like I would never make the money that I wanted to make. And I'm not sure. And I still, sometimes I still have that belief now more times than not I don't but that belief will creep into my mind from time to time yeah and and so this past year since the clinic since I since I exited which was October 15th of 2018 I have literally been working on myself I went and got my NLP certification and I've just I'm I've been knee deep in making sure that my mind is right 
because whatever I've got coming next, which this podcast is part of it, mm-hmm. is really big. And yeah. this is a great example. And everybody that's listening to this, believe me when I tell you, I didn't know shit about podcasting. I had this mic sitting on my desk for three months until I decided to take action in and ask that first person to be on my podcast. And when he said yes, I had no choice but to learn it. And yeah. so I had, that's a great example of a limited belief. I, I told myself, well, I don't know how to do a podcast and who would even want to be on my podcast. <laughs> so, so if anybody's listening, understand that it's just a fucking bullshit belief. That's it. Absolutely. Anyway, I didn't mean to go on such a rant, but (laughs) your story was just so similar to mine with Tony. I mean, he's made such an impact on so many people's lives. And that's quite frankly, how I know about Ed Milet. Yeah, sure. Tony. And then I didn't, I didn't even know who Andy was. I had no idea who he was until uh, one of the syndicate brothers told me about him. Anyway. So, (laughs) all right. I interrupted you. So, so in your, your limiting, okay. So what have you done about that as far as changing that limited belief? Okay. So I, I came home that weekend and I told the kids that what my plans were, you know, I'm confident that I can make a huge impact on people. That's what I've done since I've been 22 years old. You know, I went straight into education and I was, I'm a high school teacher And I worked in a normal school. There was over a thousand students aged 12 to 18 years old and did a really good job there. Had, you know, fantastic success. But what I noticed really quickly was that I had the biggest success with the young people who had been through the most difficult circumstances. Mm. And they engaged with me. They built relationships with me. And so I made a leap to, to the, we call it the off-site school here. And what that means is it's a school for all of the kids that are kicked out of high school um, because they have like social, emotional or behavioral difficulties and they just can't manage a normal school environment. So I moved to the off-site school and really kind of refined what I do and created a program for young people and had the opportunity after Tony Robbins to pilot my program, um, which really focused on building relationships and creating environments where they felt safe, happy, secure, connected, um, you know, using music, using gratitude, thinking about breathing, all these different things. Um, and off the back of that, for the first time in the history of my school, young people sat exams. They got actual, you know, in their hand qualifications that would get them into further education. And I compare it, like I feel stupid saying it, but I do compare it to the Rogers, Roger Bannister thing, you know, when he ran the four minute, what did he do? He broke the four minute mile. Correct. And then lots of people did it because now in my school you know there are examinations and qualifications offered over every curricular area and before I went there were none so I used my program to get young people into a position where they had the capacity to learn 
because they were starting to inventory their past. They were starting to think about, you know, their their emotional well-being, their physical well-being, but also their neurological well-being. And we built fantastic relationships. I role modeled for them. And so we had this environment of trust and safety. And then that allowed them to tap into academic success. And this is what's led me to realize that teachers need to work on themselves first to be able to produce optimum results. Mm, I, I can totally 100% identify with that because teachers, it seems like, now that you say that, and I've never thought about this before, but teachers don't seem very happy. No, no. And again, it's a bullshit excuse. To be a good teacher, you don't need technology. It doesn't matter what your class size is. It's all about relationships. And here's the thing, Corey. So when we go to um, university to learn to be a teacher, the one thing they tell you is that every day you need to act. So regardless of what's went on at home, regardless of how you're feeling, you need to go into that classroom and you need to put on a fucking performance for those kids sitting in front of you. And do you know what I say? That is why there are so many problems in education, because that is not real life. You know, we all have emotions. We all have shit days sometimes. And they do too. And we need to acknowledge that and talk about that and then model the tools that we use to get out of that funk so that they can too. And if we don't teach them a toolkit, how are they supposed to know? Great, great, great point. You know, so that's the, that's the premise of my business. So we, we are all about creating an excellent society through early intervention. And that comes with teachers because teachers spend the majority of time with young people. Sometimes we spend more time with young people than they do with their parents because we see them on a daily basis. So we work with teachers and we work with parents. And step one is getting the adults into the best place possible to role model what we want the children to learn. That makes total sense. That makes, yeah, that makes, that makes total sense. I'm just, I keep getting a weird feedback. Oh. Can you hear me? Yeah. Um, I'm starting to think that maybe the mic wasn't on. I don't know. <laughs> so, um, okay. So what, what could you say that would help maybe a teacher or a parent that could be listening to this right now? So the, the approach is threefold. So number one, we start with looking at brain development, but the absolute basics, so how to create a healthy brain. And that's just the simple things like, you've done 75 hard, right? So Andy knows all this stuff. So it's about having enough water, about good nutrition, about physical activity, about gratitude, um, and about breathing or meditation so that when we feel overwhelmed, we can tap straight into that. That's number one. Then we think about relationships. So we think about what makes a good relationship. Some of the things that I've already mentioned, you know, listen, be patient, take time. Relationships can't be built overnight. Sharing vulnerabilities, being raw, open and honest. Um, 
then it's about creating opportunities for success. Young people, we need to build their self-esteem so that they believe in themselves, but then we need to give them an opportunity to fail. And we need to then work through the failure with them so that they can build resilience, so that they can build strategies, and then they can start to trust us because they're feeling safe, they're feeling secure, connected. You know, all the, these words, I use them all the time because they're, they're so, so important. And like I said, if we fake what we're doing, if we put on a show for the young people, kids are the biggest critics in the world, right? They can see through that. They don't want a sales pitch. And so if you're going to bullshit them, they're not going to buy into your lesson whatsoever, you know? <laughs> That, so, so, so let me ask you, did you go to Arte Live this year? No, no, I'm going to Vegas in April. Okay, so so they showed a video, and I wish I knew where to tell you to find the video, but it was so – it is exactly what you're talking about. I mean, what, and I'll give you the general synopsis of it. It's a kid <coughs> – excuse me – that – his dad plays with him. They do shit together. He, the dad takes him to school, but the dad doesn't have a job. Yeah. And the dad is stressed the fuck out. And the dad is trying to put on a show for the kid. And look, it looks like through the video, he does a really good job. But at the end of it, the kid writes him a letter and says, essentially, you know, the only thing that I really want is that, you know, my, my dad is great. My dad does this. My dad does this. But my dad also lies. Mm. And it was like, it was, it was, it was heartbreaking. Yeah. Because I don't think that I realized that young people could tell those. It's like incongruency. You, you know what that means. There's incongruency if you're telling somebody something that's not true. That's just all there is to it. Human, your human brain will not allow you to tell a lie without some incongruency, period. It's a fact. It's science. Yeah. So anyway, I just thought I'd share that with you. I wish I had the video. I wish I knew what it was because it's, it's really interesting. Oh, we can ask in the syndicate group. We can probably find out. Without sure. a doubt. Yes, yeah. for sure. So step one is brain development, but basic. Step two, relationships. We work on building positive relationships by being raw, open and honest. Number three, because we have learned how to do all of those things, we can role model. So we need to role model self-belief, self-love, self-care, living in alignment with our values. Um, and then step four is where it gets really interesting. So because we've showed them all of those steps, then we spark the interest in the science and controlling the subconscious brain. And when we've sparked the interest, then we teach it. And this is the bit that I'm really kind of passionate about. So um, this is the bit that teachers and parents really, really need to learn because this is like the magic ingredient for changing your life. Attention contractors of the Successful Life Podcast. Want to supercharge your business decisions? We've got something just for you. Head over to our website, SuccessfulLifePodcast.com, and click on the free download button to grab your copy of Warning When Hiring a Leadership Coach.
Equip yourself with the insights you need to make informed decisions for your business. Don't miss out. You know, I wish, I wish, I, I wish more people, gosh, I'm getting such a feedback. So weird. I wish more people knew. Can you still hear me okay? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I wish more people knew about how the subconscious mind worked. Because if they did, I think people would change the way they do things. Um, I don't think majority of people know the difference in your conscious and your subconscious mind. So, you know, I've done a shit ton of work with both. And, you know, we do things, I think about 96 to 97% of what we do every day, correct me if I'm wrong, is on a subconscious basis. Yeah, 100%. 100%. Right. Yeah. And because of that, the statistic I think for America is that 70% of people live in a state of negative emotion. Wow. 70%. Which is crazy. Yeah, 70% of people in America live in a state of negative emotion because they always choose comfort, which means living in the past. And that's obviously linked to survival mode. The brain's always in survival mode, and that comes from the caveman days, doesn't it? And so we need to be in charge of our minds, which means that we need to program the autonomic system, nervous system. So that's the bit that we need to practice, stepping out of the comfort zone and stepping out of the subconscious mind and reprogramming the autonomic nervous system. So I guess you probably have never listened to Joe Dispenza, have you? Oh, of course I have, you know. (laughs) (laughs) He's my favorite. I love him. Oh my gosh, is he not just incredible? Amazing. But nobody knows this stuff. Like, it's just ridiculous. Like, it's so important and so simple and, you know... We need, to, we need to learn about these things. So this is the bit where I'm saying, you know, we need to spark the interest in the science. We need to teach them how to program, you know, reprogram the nervous system so they're living in a joyful state and they get addicted to that feeling. And then we go and inventory the past and we change what has been ingrained into our systems into something that is going to create our future reality. Absolutely. So one of the things that, so I just want to give an example really quick for me. um, I, as a kid, I was always told I was a fat kid. Right. And so I was always told to clean my plate as a kid before I got dessert. So Uh in order to get dessert, which you don't fucking need every night, um, I had to eat everything on my plate, regardless if I was full or if I weren't, wasn't full. Yeah. So that's exactly, and and to this day, I think there are times that I eat all the food on my plate because of that. I know that's the reason. Yeah. So that's just an example of one of the, you know, so one of the things that as a kid that, uh, you know, we're programmed at an early age to do that we just carry throughout, throughout our life. And that's why in America, every I don't know what the percentage is, but it's high as shit that people are are obese. Yeah, for sure, for sure, for sure. And so, I mean, who wants to live in that? You know, because when you feel when you when you live in a negative state, 
you you don't feel good. You know, we want to feel every day like it's Christmas morning. You know, we want to have that elevated state, the, you know, the serotonin, the dopamine, dopamine, the endorphins. We want everything to be in this optimum place. And when we're in the optimum place in terms of education and accessing academic results, when we're in that optimum brain space elevated emotional state then the myelin pathways build thicker and faster and we retain the information and then we can you know recreate it for the next generation and the more young people we impact then eventually that's going to filter through and everybody's going to experience it from day dot and you know what that impact is on the whole of society across the whole of the world and everyone would be excellent yeah you're right you're absolutely right there's no excuse no there's really not um and i wonder you know i I think it's so fantastic that you're bringing this the education system in the uk i wonder how you could penetrate the united states have you thought about that yeah, I, I mean, I have lots of contacts now through Arate, which is amazing. And I have told Ed Milet that I'm going to be on his podcast one day. So, you know, look out for me. It's, in, it's on the vision board and, and it is a, a long-term plan. So the UK is my number one and I have links with Australia in terms of education at the moment as well. And then hopefully it's going to snowball because how can people not listen to this stuff, you know? It's life-changing. It's it's world changing and I just can't imagine people not having this information. Yeah, it's pretty, it's, it is absolutely astonishing from time to time to, to listen to how you're about how negative, I mean, people, and and look, I'm not excluded. I have my days. I for sure. Today was one of those days, you know, I woke up, I'm sick. My nose is clogged up. Like, you know, I've got shit to do. And like, I don't have time to be sick. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But that's what it's about, Corey, isn't it? So we all have, like, we all have negative emotions. We all have low moods. We all feel overwhelmed and stressed sometimes. But it's about learning to shorten the refractory period and use the toolkit to move out of that quicker every single time. Because we know that our hearts are fuller And that's scientific as well, isn't it? Because when we're in the elevated state, the blood pumps to our heart, our heart fills with blood quicker, and we feel incredible. And we have the capacity to to change that. So yes, it is our autonomic nervous system, which is the subconscious brain that controls the heart rate and the, the fight or flight, the arousal, all of the emotions, but it can be programmed. And that's what people don't realize. And that's the bit that we need to work on but we can only do that when we've taught them the basics when we've built the relationships when we've role modeled that it works and then you know we can teach them the method and that's when change is going to happen but we need to do all of those steps first and you and me can't do it alone we need to teach all of the parents all of the teachers and hope and ensure that it filters through yeah, I just, I'm so glad that you brought this up, actually. I'm so glad that you came on today for multiple reasons, but I just thought about something. I was interviewing another guy earlier, sorry, sometime last week, and and he said, you know, I go into the school, and he's got, you know, I've got tattoo 
on at least this yeah. arm. And he's got tattoos all over him and, and he drives a, a Lamborghini and he was like, and he's known as Lambo dad. Well, it's funny to him because he goes to the school and the kids flip their shit because he drives up in a Lamborghini and he's got tattoos all over him. <laughs> so, but he goes in and he mentors the kids. Yeah. And it's cool because, you know, him come being the guy that he is with tattoos and people uh, don't expect us to walk into a school and be a mentor. They expect yeah. us to walk into the school and burn it down. Yeah. Um, so the point of me telling you all this is that he said, Hey, there's a group that I'm linked up with that I can link you up with that will help you to go into schools and mentor people. And so I'm going to start doing that. Um, and it just, I didn't think about it until just now, how it connects with exactly what you're talking about, because they, the kids need to see that it's not just one way. It's not come Come to school, sit down, like we've always all both heard. Sit down, shut up, do your work. Mm. Don't talk. Raise your hand if you want to be heard. You know, there's there's a different way to do that because we're, we're program, programming children to go out into the world and just do the same shit over and over. And we need people to think for themselves. 100%. Maybe we can link up on that. Maybe we can share some strategies and, and you can, we can we can talk about that more. I think that would be an absolutely great idea. I've got to get some more information on it. In fact, I've touched base with one of the, the guy, whoever he is, um, but he has not touched back yet. So I'm going to do that. As soon as we get off the phone, I'm going to touch base with him again so I can make sure that I follow up. And I will. I'll follow up with you. Because yeah. you've got some, you've got a lot of, uh, you've got a lot of experience in this, and you can help me if you're if you're willing to do that. Sure, absolutely. So, I was going to ask you. So the p- other people that you have that you work with at the, al- we call it our t- alternative school. I think is what it's called. Here. Okay. Yeah. Your, what did you call it? Offsite school. Yeah. So the other people that are helping you there, do they share the same vision? I mean, you know, are they like-minded I mean all of the staff that work within the school are there because they want to make a difference Um, they're all fantastic they're all you know skilled in relationship building I think that I'm next level I know that I'm next level you know my, my my boss invests in me he they they know it too and realistically I'm not going to be in that job for much longer because you know the focus is the the global impact however it's really difficult to leave when I know the difference that I'm making on the ground and I'm you know creating impact on all of the people within that building and so I need to be confident that other people can do that when I leave you know so in, in some ways I'm I'm preventing myself from you know going as fast as I want to with the business by the the desire to look after the the kids that I've got there at the moment and I was going to say something else there and yep so my program that I developed and had success with I actually asked for a different member of staff to deliver the program to pilot whether the success was the program or whether the success was the way that I delivered it. What do you think? I would say that 
hope that's tough because I'm going to say that the program itself uh, probably did well, but you delivering it was probably the difference. And that's the hold on why you can't move forward. Absolutely. And it also it also confirms that we need to teach the teachers. And when I, I actually did a different podcast last week, another American one, and he asked me, he said, you know, what would you say to a teacher who says their job is to deliver content? And, you know, for me, that is where they are absolutely doing their job wrong because a teacher's job is not to deliver content. Any old person can deliver content, you know, read a textbook, teach yourself and then deliver it. A teacher's job is to get results and you can't get results unless you go through a process of building relationships with some kids. Of course you will. Some kids just want to, you know, absorb themselves in education, but the ones that you want to really make a difference with because they can't do it without your help need the process, need the toolkit, need the role models, need the relationships. The relationship is such an important part because if the children think you care or if they know you care, they're going to work twice as hard. If they think you don't care, they're not going to do shit for you. You. Well, if they think you don't care, they're not in and they don't feel safe and they can't, how can they switch on their brain for learning if they can't feel safe and secure? You know, we, we know what that situation's like. We're always scanning for danger. And the minute we feel that there's some kind of threat, then we're not, we're agitated. We're not present in the moment and what's going on in front of us because we're too busy, you know, in survival mode. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay, so um, we'll wrap up in just a moment, but um, what would you say if I said to you that you should um, have somebody that you trust, which you should have somebody at this point that you, that's almost like a right-hand person to you, a go-to person what would you say if I said, okay, why don't you have, why don't you turn some of your responsibilities or a lot of them over to that person and then work on the bigger picture? I do. So I have a team of people that I meet with once a week and I'm developing them to deliver the same quality. And what's been really, really reassuring is that they've said to me, we need you to be a mentor because although we're fantastic at our jobs, we need a more balanced um targeted approach so they can recognize it they can recognize it sure okay so so how quickly do you think you can get those people up to speed to where you're confident that you can step away at least four days a week It's up to them. How quickly do they want to, you know, how quickly do they want to em- embrace it? And in my school, I'm really lucky because everybody is there for the right reasons. But on a wider scale, you know, the thing that gets me is that teachers don't become teachers for the paycheck because let's face it, the money is, is ridiculous. It doesn't give, doesn't, it's not nearly what they deserve. So at some stage, they had the passion. Then they lose it because they get swept up in the politics and they need to find their passion again. And as soon as they find that passion, they are going to bring value. Good answer. So um, let me ask you one more last thing. So what if I said to you that 
you know, I wonder if part of them not are them depending on you is a crutch. Do you see what I'm saying? So what I mean by that is you said, well, they say they, the, the people say they, I, I, they need me to be a mentor and to kind of still hold their hand. You didn't say that, but kind of hold their hand. Do you think it's a, a, a lack of confidence? Do you think it's, why do you think they need like this direct touch with you in order for them to move forward and continue on? To, because there's because they are so passionate about making a difference that they just want to learn and provide the best service possible to the young people and obviously that takes a bit of time it takes a bit of confidence I mean I've done years of development work I've done years of research you know a lot of people don't even know who Tony Robbins or you know Dr. Joe Dispenza are and so it you know it takes a it takes quite a bit of time to really understand the science and really this stuff should be taught right at the source this should be taught in teacher training you know it should be taught at parent school if parent school was such a thing um it, we just need to get the information out there and that's my job you know that's my job get the information out there then the right people with the right passion will pick it up and we will make a difference within the world perfect all right jessica well thank you so much i really really appreciate you coming on and you have uh, you've really opened my eyes to a lot of the education system that I was, and my mom was a school teacher, but it's been years now. So it's, I think your approach is fucking awesome and keep up with the good work because I think, I don't think, I know you're making a difference in the world. And that's, if you think about your difference that you're making in all these kids lives, you're really making a difference in their kids' lives and their kids' lives. So you're doing something really fucking cool. So you should be really proud of yourself. Thanks, Corey. I appreciate that. Absolutely. And so, thanks for the time today. I've enjoyed this conversation. It's been great. Absolutely. My pleasure. And I'll, I'll circle back with you about the other project and we'll see what we can do. Sure. Sounds great. All right. Thank you. Thanks, Corey. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. I want to thank you again for tuning in to the Successful Life Podcast. If you have not already subscribed, please do. And look, if you really enjoyed today's episode, email me at SuccessfulLifePodcast at gmail.com and tell me what it was you enjoyed. And if there's somebody that you want me to bring on, then email me about that and tell me who it is. And... I'll make sure it happens. So, you know, leave us a review, tell a friend, and until next time, folks, have a good day. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to the Successful Life Podcast. We hope today's insights have ignited your passion and provided tools to shape your leadership journey. Remember, greatness is a journey, not a destination. Continue your pursuit by exploring more resources and insights over at coreybarrier.com. Until next time, keep leading, keep learning, and keep striving for excellence. Stay inspired and see you on the next episode.